in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. So um, this, this Sunday and next Sunday are the last two Sundays of the Coptic year. So the Coptic New Year is um, on September 11th. Um, and, and so on the last two Sundays, which is like the last part of the year, the readings of the church are always reflective of like the end, right? So the end of time and uh, the end of days, the end of the world. And so we reflect during this time on the end of the world. And so today we read um, this passage where Christ is speaking about um, the, the end, right? The end of the world. And, and when he's beginning to speak to, to, to the people about this and speak to the disciples about this, he says, they say to him, what will be the sign when all these things will be fulfilled? Okay. So from the very beginning, everyone is always very curious about the signs, you know, what are the signs that these things will be fulfilled? What should we be looking for, for these things to be fulfilled? And, you know, sometimes we have people who are become almost obsessive with trying to predict and to know the end of time. And, and, and many people throughout history have believed that they could predict to the exact day, what would it be? Even though Christ said, no one will know the day or the hour. And yet people continue to try to, to determine the day and the hour. Um, so, Maybe now, um, because of the, you know, the COVID situation that in the world and a lot of other, you know, protests and, and dissension and, and, and arguments and, and, and really chaos and anarchy in some places, um, a lot of people are, are thinking a lot about, is this the end of the time? Is this the end of days? Uh, could this be like signs of the end? Okay. Um, and so I, I, I want to talk a little bit about some of the pitfalls okay about the end of times um, what are some things that that maybe we can stumble in re regarding um the end of days and to try to keep that in mind always when we're thinking about whether you know we're in the end of days or not and and what is it that christ warned us because he told us don't be so interested in the exact time but he wants us to be aware of certain things so that we do not fall and I'm going to go through several points that he made in this passage in, in Mark chapter 13 that we read today. Um, and so we can keep in mind, what are these pitfalls um, that, that it's easy for us to fall into regarding the end of times? The first pitfall is being deceived by those with ulterior motives. Okay, it says in verse five, take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name saying, I am he and will deceive many. Right. So. Part of the end of days is there will be many false Christs. There will, be, there will be many false teachers who are going to come and claim even that they are the Christ, right? That they are the Christ. And he's saying, beware of these, right? Beware of false teachers. Beware of people that are trying to deceive you, okay? We need to be very well educated when it comes to what the Bible says about the end so that we don't go after wrong teachings. You know, sometimes people... Um, they'll just go after anything miraculous, you know, like they hear about any miracle and they're like, oh, anything miraculous must be from God. And so when some miracle happens, we become obsessed with it and we go and like, you know, we, we, we imagine that we can like, you know, <clears throat> create theology and belief of the church based on um, the miracles that we find. But actually, there are there are miracles that are performed by Satan. There, there are miracles that that are completely against the word of God and against God himself. And, and here we know, for instance, the Antichrist. The Antichrist is going to be the exact like, like opposite of Christ. 
but he's going to come and people are going to believe in him because he's going to do miracles. He's going to he's going to act as, as though he was the Lord and people will look at him and be deceived by him because they are so interested in signs and so interested in miracles and so interested in in things instead of focusing on the word of God. Like the word of God is truth. Christ here, he's telling us all these pitfalls and warnings so that when we know them, right, we know that. We, we know what to expect and so that we are not deceived whenever um, these false teachers and false Christs appear. Okay, so take heed that no one deceives you. And this deception comes not only in the form of people that are pretending to be spiritual leaders or people that are pretending to be the Messiah, but really from all of society. Like society is full of, of people that want to capture our attention, that want to capture our mind, that want us to buy in into their philosophy right? And so we have to be very careful, like study every idea, every philosophy, every, every notion that comes to our ears that we hear about on the media and social media and the news or from our friends, wherever it is. I ask myself, okay, these movements that I'm seeing, these ideas, these philosophies, are they capturing my emotions, but are they really the truth? Are they what Christ has taught us? Is this what the church has taught us? Or is this contrary to the truth? You know, it's easy for us to get swept up in the moment um, of, of some kind of a movement or some kind of, you know, new idea that's, you know, in the media and in society. But here Christ said, take heed that no one deceives you, right? It's easy for us to be deceived. And this is definitely going to be one of the characteristics of the end of times is deception. The second pitfall uh, regarding the end of times is assuming that everything is a sign of the end. Okay. Assuming that everything is a sign of the end here, Christ in verse seven, he was saying, but when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be troubled for such things must happen, but the end is not yet for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be earthquakes in various places and there will be famines and troubles. These are the beginnings of sorrows. Okay. So, just because we see troubling things happening, because we see disease, because we see war, because we see unrest, because we see conflict, because we see hatred, because we see all these things, right, that, you know, in, in our generation, maybe um, for many people, this is the, the most unrest and the most kind of uncertainty that the world has experienced, um, like, like maybe in their time, in their lifetime, um, uh, we, it's quick for us to jump to this idea that, okay, well, then maybe this is the end. I'm not saying whether it is or not. All I'm saying is that just because there is unrest, just because there is conflict, we shouldn't immediately jump to the assumption that this is the end. There have been people in every generation since, you know, the time of Christ, even, even immediately after the time of Christ and the time of the New Testament, that believed that it was the end, right? So, so, the reason I'm saying this is because sometimes people get so obsessed with the idea of the end and following the signs and, and thinking about it that we forget that we are called to live now, right? We are called to live a certain way now where we're, we're not like the, the, the idea of the end is supposed to be to motivate us to live a certain way in the here and now, not to be carried away with all of these philosophies and ideas and wanderings and concerns and dates and times and, and signs to where we forget to live, like, like we are called to live. The Thessalonians had stopped completely working and doing everything and just stopped their life completely believing that it was the time of the end, even, even back in the New Testament, right? So 
we we here are called to be calm, be you know rational, to think through everything. Yes, there are things that are definitely signs, but no one can fully know the work of God. Um, no one can fully understand the work of God. No one can fully predict all the things that are going to happen. And so no one can really point and say, yes, it is, or no, it's not. We, we just don't know. And, and God is not wanting us to be concerned with this so much as to be concerned with not being deceived and, to, and all the other things that he's mentioning uh, here in this chapter, not to be so concerned with trying to predict the end. Another pitfall uh, of the end times is that we forget that our our mission in the world, right? We forget our mission in the world. In verse 10, he says, and the gospel must first be preached to all the nations, right? He's saying before the end will come, the gospel must first be preached to all the nations, right? So even though at the end times, you know, we, we, we are so much focused on the end and we're so much focused on our own salvation and we're so much focused on you know what is going to happen and and there might be a lot of concern and anxiety and and about all the things that are happening in the world but while all these things are happening in the world shouldn't forget that the gospel must first be preached to all the nations like our, our mission is still to preach the gospel our mission is is to save the people from from the the consequences of the end from what is going to happen at the end actually maybe more than at any other time during the time of the end is when we need to be the most focused on this mission because now comes the time of judgment and 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 you know when when the time of judgment comes there are no second chances after that right and so we don't want god to look at us and say what did you do to save the people that are perishing what did you do to save those people who did not know the truth Right. We don't want God to come to us and, and to ask us this question. And then we have no response to give him saying, I did nothing. I didn't do anything. You know, so God is, is, is out of his mercy. He is holding off until all of the world has had a chance to believe and a chance to repent. And we are part of this mission. We are part of this goal is to spread the word of God through our words, through our actions, through our invitations, through the church, through personal conversations, through whatever means right? We are called to um, preach the word um, to all nations. Another pitfall uh, of the end is the tolerance of evil, tolerating evil. Um, Christ says, so when you see the abomination of desolation spoke of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who was on the housetop not go, not go down into the house nor enter to take anything out of his house, okay? This abomination of desolation, this was a prophecy of Daniel the prophet, and it had multiple uh, uh, multiple fulfillments uh, of this prophecy. But one of the fulfillments of this prophecy was during the time of the Maccabees, which was um, toward the, the last few centuries BC before the coming of Christ. Um, during this time, which is called the intertestamental period, it's like between the Old Testament and the New Testament, um, there was this uh, group called the Maccabees, which were like these faithful Jewish family that led uh, a rebellion against the Greeks who were coming to conquer Israel and to, to kind of like um, uh, consume the culture of Israel, the faith of Israel to like make them essentially to be pagan. Um, and so one of the things that they did is they, they, they desecrated the temple and they put an idol of Zeus in the temple um, as, a, as a way to desecrate it. 
because they didn't want the Jews to practice their religion. Okay, so so this abomination of desolation, that's one uh, fulfillment of that prophecy. Okay, but another fulfillment of the prophecy is what is happening in the end of days, right? What's happening in the end of days is a complete desecration of what is holy, right? That everything that represents God is removed, that everything that, that, that you know, represents God is blasphemed, that everything of God is destroyed. Like the world is against the Christian faith, the world is against the church, the world is against God, the world, like, like, like more and more, we find that it is harder and harder to be a Christian because Christians are persecuted, whether physically or, or, or psychologically or whatever ways, even, you know, in, 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 in Western countries, right? Like it's not just limited to certain countries where like certain faiths are outlawed, but even here in the United States, we find that it's more and more difficult to be a Christian um, and to, to, to represent our faith and to spread our faith without being attacked, right? So one of the, the signs of the end will be that sin is reigning. Sin becomes tolerated in every place. And the things that used to be considered, um, you know, unthinkable and abominable, right? The things that used to be considered evil are now accepted, right? And so here what Christ is saying is when this happens, when you see that this abomination is happening, when you see that evil is spreading in every place, okay? He's saying what? Let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, right? Run, like separate yourself from this evil. Do not tolerate it. Do not live with it. Do not just accept it. Do not say, you know what? Well, my society is now accepting of this evil and I'm a part of the society. So I'm just going to follow and do everything that the rest of society is doing, right? He's saying, even what? Let him who was on the housetop not go down into the house. Like we will have to sacrifice something. We will have to let go of something. The comforts that we are used to in the world that are a part of the system of the world that used to previously not be kind of a detriment or a stumbling block to our faith, more and more, it is becoming a stumbling block. More and more. Like, you know, a lot of times I talk with people about purity and, um, and like the things that we watch, like TV shows and movies and things like that. And there are a lot of very compelling TV shows and very compelling movies that are very interesting. And yet more and more, almost every single TV show and every single movie have scenes and words and things in them that are unbecoming of a Christian, right? And so we find ourselves that even though even those who want to do good find that it's harder and harder and harder to do good. It's harder to separate the good from the evil because evil has become per so pervasive, so like, you know, intertwined with everything that we do in the world, right? And this is the abomination of desolation. This is the destruction of the values of God. This is the destruction of, of the faith, right? And so God is saying in the end, when this happens, don't just tolerate this, like, like protect yourself from it, separate yourself from it, make the sacrifices necessarily, necessary to prevent yourself from falling into that, right? Because you will be caught up into it. You will be sucked into it and you will not be able to escape from it because this temptation is so strong and powerful, do not allow yourself to tolerate evil, but separate yourself from evil. The fifth pitfall of uh, the end is dismissing the possibility of suffering. Okay. Uh, it says in verse 19, for in those days there will be tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the creation which God created until this time nor ever shall be, nor ever shall be. 
saying the greatest tribulation that will ever be experienced in the world is during the time of the end. Okay. And this is a problem because for us in the West, we have become so comfortable and so complacent and there's, there, there's so little hardship um, for us as a society. Of course, individual people have different hardships and, and struggles, but as a society, right, we have be, you know, we are more advanced, we are more comfortable than we've ever been in, in, the, in the past. I remember at the beginning when this, uh, when COVID started, I saw like a meme and it was saying, you know what, your grandparents were called to war and you're only being asked to sit on the couch, like in the terms of like being on a lockdown or whatever. It says, you can do this. Like, that's what it was saying. It's saying, you know, maybe previous generations even had gone through such suffering like world wars and had to make a lot of personal sacrifice and um, whereas, you know, for many of us now, it's like, we've never experienced anything like that. We just experience comfort. We drink our coffee. We go to our jobs. We enjoy our life. We go out to eat. Like, like so many people, you know, our, our lives are just kind of pleasant, you know, just to say there's pleasant. And I'm not saying that it's being pleasant is wrong. It's, it's a blessing that God has given us such a life. Right. But what does that mean now? Like, like, how is it that we are going to accept this idea of the tribulation? How are we going to accept the idea of loss, of losing this life that we have become so accustomed to? Do we realize that the entire system of the world is going to be destroyed? You know, maybe during COVID, it gave us a taste of like some of the institutions that we have so much relied on and some of the things that we are so used to doing. Now, suddenly it's like they're not available to us anymore. Like we, we can't do them anymore. You know, and, and, you know, thank God it's only for a season, it's only for a time, but, but it gives us a taste of so many of the things that we take for granted in society, they can crumble, you know, they can, they can go away one day, right? You know, it, it reminded me of the, the verse in Matthew 24, when Christ was speaking about how the people lived before the flood. And he said, for as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. Like prior to the disaster of the flood, everyone was just living normal. It was just a normal life. They were eating, drinking, marrying, like enjoying their life, right? But here Christ is saying that this, there is going to be a tribulation such has never been before, right? How will we accept this, right? Will this, will this be so much that will cause us to lose our faith, right? This is another pitfall. Do we even dismiss the idea that this kind of suffering is possible? Do we place so much faith into the system that this world is that we believe that the system can never be changed, it can never be lost, it can never be broken, right? That's the, We shouldn't assume that because here God is saying there will be this tribulation. The sixth pitfall uh, of the end is substituting God's word with my own philosophies, Okay. He told the disciples all of this. He says, but take heed. See, I have told you all things beforehand. Christ told them, look, everything that's going to happen, I've explained it to you. I've told you. He didn't maybe tell us all the details. He didn't tell us what was going to happen. He didn't say the specifics. But he said, here is what you should expect, right? So that when things begin to happen, we can identify them. And when, when, when false teachers come, when other things happen, we can identify them, right? So often people come up with their own philosophies and understandings of the end, right? 
oh, you know, we read the book of Revelation and everybody says, oh, this means this and this means that, right? We don't have to and we cannot make up things based on our own opinions and ideas, right? It's dangerous to assume that we can interpret the prophecies and that we can know exactly what they mean and what they correspond to in real life because that might cause us to take decisions, right, that are wrong. That might allow us to be deceived by people who are teaching something that is wrong, right? Our belief is rooted in the Holy Scriptures. And, and as much as we might wish that Christ would have told us more, he chose not to for a good reason, right? We shouldn't get caught up in all of these philosophies, these ideas, these interpretations of prophecies, the Bible codes, like all, all these things and people that try to predict the end. The reason that God revealed this to us again is not so that we can become prophets, not so that we can go and you know, tell people we know the day. It's, it's so that we can repent. That is the reason why God revealed that there will be an end because he wants us to be ready for it. He wants us to repent. Right. So I shouldn't make up my own things and I shouldn't interpret like I shouldn't go and say, you know what, I, I think that, you know, some people are saying that the vaccine that they're preparing for for COVID is the mark of the beast, you know, and that we shouldn't do the vaccine because it's the mark of the beast. This is just made up like like I, this is maybe my personal opinion, you know, maybe somebody thinks that, but that's not a teaching. That's not something I can tell people. This is my own philosophy. I might have opinions about things, but opinions doesn't mean that these are true, right? All we know for a fact is what God has revealed to us. And he didn't reveal to us specifically what the mark of the beast is. And, and again, we don't even know if we are in the end times or not, right? This is another one of the pitfalls. <clears throat> Number seven is believing that the world will last forever, okay? In verses 26 and 27, it says, Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send his angels and gather together his elect from the four winds, from the farthest part of the earth to the farthest part of heaven. Right? The world that we live in will not last forever. And thank God that the end for the believer is going to be a wonderful end. It shouldn't be something that is frightening to us. Right? It's, it's always scary for us to go into something that is unknown, right? And, 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 and whenever there's uncertainty and we think about it and we don't know how things are going to go, it's always a little frightening. But here, Christ continually reassures us. And he says the end, even though there will be suffering, right? But what should you expect to see? You will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory and his angels. And actually, we will be taken up with him in, into heaven, right? So there will be an end. We, we, we must not believe that the world will last forever, that our lives will last forever, because this is the formula for complacency. It's a formula for me to, 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 to feel like I have no need to change. I have no need to repent. I have no need to grow. I have no, I can continue living my life as it is because my life like this essentially will last forever, right? And we know that that's not true. It's not true for an individual in their individual life because everyone's life has an end. And it's not true for society, for the world as a whole, right? Um, but there are some people that believe that implicitly that this is not going to happen. St. Peter spoke about this in 2 Peter chapter 3. He said, he said this, where is the promise of his coming? He's speaking about now on the tongue of people who are saying that there will be no end. He's saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. 
right? It's like, these are the people that are saying, I don't believe that there will be an end. I don't believe that the Son of God is coming. Where is His coming? From the very beginning, all things have continued as they were from the from the beginning of creation. Like nothing has changed. Nothing has has happened. Look, we're, it's been 2,000 years now since um, since the birth of Christ, and everything is still fine and going as it is, right? This is a mentality of someone who, who wants to deny the fact that there will be an end. And this is a, yeah, an, another pitfall of the end. Christ is giving us the signs so that we know that it will happen. The eighth pitfall is focusing on discovering secret knowledge. Okay. Mark 13, 32, it says, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven. Right. Back to the idea of predicting the end. Like there are some religions where they are constantly predicting the end, like predicting what day it will be. Right. When it comes to the end, some Christians are obsessed with this idea and it's a distraction, right? It's a, it's a distraction from what we should be doing, right? Again, we should be focusing on repentance. We say, you know what? The day and the hour, uh, that's up to God for the day and the hour. I have this day and I have this hour that I'm living today. And this is the time of repentance. This is the time of salvation, right? So it, it's, it's important for us not to get caught up in this idea of, finding some secret knowledge through studying something or by watching like certain videos that are revealing codes and connections and things and, and assuming that these things are true, right? Because it's not, it's not, this, there's no secret knowledge. There's no secret knowledge for me to discover. God did not want us to know. And so we will not know. The last pitfall I want to mention is being unprepared. And uh, starting in verse 35, it says, watch therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. All right? He's saying watch. Be alert. Be watchful. Be prepared. Because by definition, by, by, by you know, you will not know. You will not know the day or the hour. Is it going to be in the evening? Is it going to be at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster? The master of the house is going to come at some point, and when he comes and he finds me there, he's going to say, "What did you did you live as a good steward of my things? Did you did you take care of the things of the household? Right? We as the stewards, and the master is coming to the house. Right? We don't know when he's coming, and because we don't know when he's coming, we need to always be watchful. We need to always be prepared. Right? Living a lifestyle of being careful." living a lifestyle of repentance, living a lifestyle of always wanting to be pleasing to God in all things and not being attached to the world because we know that, that any moment this world can be taken away, right? Those of us who are so attached to this world are going to be devastated when this world is taken away from under us. All the things that I have that are taken away from me, we will be devastated if we are attached to it. But Christ wants to redirect our focus from the things that we are losing in the world to the things that we are gaining. When he says what, well, you will see the son of man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. You are inheriting the entire kingdom of God, right? We are inheriting the entire kingdom of heaven. And so God wants us to be joyful in this inheritance. He's saying the things that you are receiving are far, far greater than the things you are leaving behind. Be prepared for the day that I will come and I will take you to your new home, which will be the place to live for eternity, which will be far, far, far better than anything that you have left behind. Okay, So this is the last pitfall I'll mention. 
is the pitfall of being unprepared. So we spoke about nine points. The first one was being deceived by those with ulterior motives, assuming that everything is a sign of the end, forgetting our mission in the world, tolerating evil, dismissing the possibility of suffering, substituting God's word with my own philosophies, believing that the world will last forever, focusing on discovering secret, secret knowledge, and then finally being unprepared. So may God grant us to always be mindful of the end, not frightened of it, not fearful of it, not obsessed with it, but simply aware of it, cognizant of it, and living each day with a sense of repentance and a, and a joy of being in the presence of God, that God is taking us to heaven, that, that we will see the Lord on the clouds with great power and, and glory, and that we do not have to be afraid of what is to come, but we are confident and joyful that God is knows what he's doing, and he will do it according to his good timing, and that he will take us with him to live with him in heaven forever. And glory be to God forever. Amen.